Christmas is over, and we are back talking about prophecy. Coming up on this episode, we're going to be talking about the specific works that the Messiah was prophesied to do. That's what we'll be discussing today on Christ, Culture, and Coffee. This is Christ, Culture, and Coffee, a podcast designed to help equip Christians to be able to defend their faith and be confident in their faith. I am your host, Ravi Lashua, here with my co-host, Tyler Hurley, on Christ, Culture, and Coffee. Uh, mm-hmm. Happy day after Christmas. Happy day after Christmas. Yeah, yes, that's we right. We hope you've lived. You're not fa-la-la-la-la'd out. Yeah. And um, you had a great, great holiday celebrating the birth of Jesus. That would be, uh, that's our that's our prayer for what right. went on yesterday with all the festivities. Yeah, I think that's really cool. Um, it's super exciting to be in this season of Christmas where we're going over this whole series of prophecy and getting in-depth behind the biblical ideas leading up to who the Messiah would be, Um, and then even further back in this series with our first episode, talking about just what prophecy is. Mm -hmm. And now we're about to get into specific works that the Messiah was prophesied to do. So we're super excited to be breaking into those details. Now that Christmas has passed, after we talked about the prophecy leading up to the birth of Jesus, now we're going to focus on what Jesus was prophesied to do. Yep, absolutely. And we want to remind you, um, if you're a new listener, you know, we have new listeners every week. Oh, we do. Um, The whole purpose of our podcast is to equip Christians to be able to defend their faith and to be confident in their faith. And that's what we want to do here. We want to encourage you today by seeing how Jesus fulfilled things prophesied hundreds of years before he came. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just it's a, such an encouragement to me to see this in history, to see it in Scripture, and I'm so thankful that God did this in order to give us confidence that we can trust what he says. So that's what we are about. Now, uh, <laughs> another thing we're about on this uh, show is coffee. That's right. Christ culture and coffee, and I know that Christ and culture are much more important than coffee, um, but Christ and culture make up the majority of the podcast. But we always like to start off with a little coffee tip That's before right. we get into uh, into the meat of what we're going to discuss. <laughs> and so today, here's here's your coffee tip. Last week, we talked about like coffee shop hacks, yeah. how you can save some money by doing certain things, ordering a little different at coffee shops. But I've got another coffee shop hack for you today, um, and this will actually save you a lot of money. <laughs> Which okay. I'm, I'm about that, man. I like saving money, money and good. I like drinking coffee. Yeah, it is good. So here is the tip. When you go into a coffee shop, one of the things you need to look at is the difference in price between the smallest drink you want to get and the largest drink you want to get. Okay. Okay? So if, if you go into a shop and you see, okay, they have a, you know, a vanilla latte, a small vanilla latte is X amount of dollars, and then you see the large is this much. Um, subtract the the small from the large to see how much the difference in price is. Make sense? Yeah. Right. Now, um, you can imagine the difference in price usually isn't double or anything. Yeah. Right? Right. It's not that much more expensive to get the large than it is to get the small. And this is the key. A lot of times people meet others at coffee shops and have drinks together and hang out and enjoy the time. Well, if you're going to do that with a friend, a way you both could save money is by getting the largest specialty drink that you both like and splitting it with each other. Oh, now, let me okay. let me demonstrate how this works. So if you go to Starbucks, right? Okay. And you want to get one of their holiday drinks that's really good is a caramel brulee latte. 
Yeah, I, yeah. I know you like that. Time I do. Right? I drink you it do. all the time. <laughs> <laughs> it's good. Yeah. Um, so uh, I, I was doing some price comparison. I'm currently right now at our local Starbucks, uh, small, the tall, you know, 12 ounce caramel brulee latte costs four dollars and 45 cents. That's expensive it's for a little drink, right? Four dollars yeah. and forty-five cents. So if you and a friend both went and got a small, tall uh, caramel brulee latte at Starbucks, that would cost you eight dollars and ninety cents plus tax, right? Ooh. Total. Wow. So what if you just ordered a venti and you guys split it? Mm. The venti caramel brulee latte costs five dollars and ninety-five cents. So that's a dollar fifty more. Than the tall. That's a bit of a difference, yeah. It is a bit of a difference. So <laughs> if you order the big one and you split it, now you're each getting 10 ounces instead of 12, but you're saving $3. That's a lot, yeah. It's a lot of money for two ounces, right? Yeah, yeah. So um, I think that this is a good hack. This is a good thing to think about. If you and your friend like the same drinks, get the big one. You know, some other coffee shops, they even have larger sizes than this. I know the Coffee Bean, they have 32 ounce. You know, they have huge ones. Um, Starbucks even has a Trenta in the cold drinks. Yeah. Really easy to do. Just order one, ask for an extra cup, and split it. Yeah, Save yourself three, four bucks. Um, a trip. I mean, it's it's a it's a pretty good deal. Um, I think it's a pretty smart thing to do. So that is your coffee tip for today. Order the big one and split it with your friends, and you'll both save a lot of money. I think that's a great tip. That's yeah. a good idea. And for the environmentally we'll conscious, you're also wasting less cups. Gotta well, protect, I guess no, you're not. Want to protect you the to... Arizona sea turtles? Yeah, them. exactly. Yeah. I'm just kidding. But uh, <laughs> that'd be a great name for like a, a hockey team, the Arizona. Sea oh, that would be. Yeah. That'd be yeah. awesome. Or a swim team or something like yeah, that. Yeah, that's true. That'd be good. Yep. <laughs> well, anyway, there's your coffee tip for the day. Save some extra cash the next time you go out to a coffee shop with a friend. But now let's get into the content about the specific works that were prophesied about in the Old Testament. Yes. That the Messiah would do. So um, we, we've broken this down into a few different categories, but the first one is the miracles the Messiah was said to do. Mm-hmm. Now, let's think about this. God could have had the coming Messiah do a whole host of things, right? Yeah. I mean, to be honest, now, this isn't prophesied about in the Old Testament, but God could have said, you know, the Messiah is going to come, and he is going to, out of thin air, produce cotton candy for people, (laughs) right? I mean, he could have done that, right? I mean, it's not that significant necessarily, but it's a possible thing for God to do miraculously. He could have said, you know, he's going to come and he's going to, you know, end world hunger. He's going to come and, right? There's a, there's a whole ton of miraculous things that the Messiah could have been prophesied to do. Um, so let's see what the Old Testament says are the specific things that God shows that the Messiah would do, all right? You yeah. want to read one of the passages we have uh, prophesying about what he would do is Isaiah 35. Yes four through six. So you want to go through that? Yeah, of course. And so Isaiah 35, four through six says, say to those with anxious heart, take courage, fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance and the recompense of God will come, but he will save you. Then the eyes of the blind will be opened and the ears of the deaf will be unstopped. Then the lame will leap like a deer and the tongue of the mute will shout for joy for waters will break forth in the wilderness and streams in the Arabah. Yes. So Isaiah says a few interesting things about what God is going to do when he comes. Eyes of the blind be opened. Mm -hmm. So that's pretty specific. Ears of the deaf unstopped, 
right? Mm-hmm. The lame, people who can't walk and stuff, will leap like a deer, right? Yeah. And the tongue of mute people will shout for joy. So those are pretty specific things that the coming Messiah is going to do. They the are, works yeah. he's going to do. Now, anybody who's read the New Testament sees Jesus doing these things, right? Right, right. So that's not like a spoiler or anything, obviously. No. You know, it, like, yeah, he did this. But it was said that he would do this, you know, 700 years prior to him coming and doing it. Isaiah's written yeah, in the mid-700s, right. right? So that's fascinating. Um, well, that's that the thing is very to think specific. about. It is, it is specific. And to think about, too, imagine if, uh, like, like uh, imagine if one of these specific miracles was not something that Jesus performed, but it was said, but that didn't happen, but mm-hmm. he got it all right. Everything that he said happened. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's something that I think is important to note about this. It is. Yeah. Well, when we see this, this specific prophecy from Isaiah 35 being um, fulfilled in Jesus' ministry in Luke 7, I want to read uh, Luke 7, 19 through 23. It says uh, that John the Baptist, summoning two of his disciples, sent them to the Lord, saying, Are you the expected one, or do we look for someone else? When the men came to him, they said, John the Baptist has sent us to you to ask, Are you the expected one, or do we look for someone else? At that very time, he cured many people of diseases and afflictions and evil spirits, and he gave sight to many who were blind. And he answered, and he said to them, Go and report to John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, Mm. The lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. Hmm. Blessed is he who does not take offense at me. That's so cool. It is so cool, man. I love this passage because there's so much here. This is such a rich story. Um, And we've talked about this in regards to doubt before, right? John the Baptist is doubting (laughs) Jesus being the Messiah, right? Yeah, yeah. Because he's in prison and he's going to have his head chopped off and he's emotionally freaking out, right? Mm -hmm. And that happens to the best of us. Obviously, it happened to John the Baptist. So he sends two of his disciples to Jesus to say, are you really the guy? Are you legit? And it's ironic because... John the Baptist is the one who told everybody else <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that that's he's right. the Messiah, right? Behold the Lamb of God. Well, he's just God, thinking, he's right? like, I don't want to die in vain not knowing. Like, exactly. I, I want you to verify this with me. Like, Verify it. And me, Jesus yeah. doesn't make fun of him, doesn't tell his disciples, no. go yeah. tell him to be a man, nothing like that. What does Jesus do? Yeah, he, he gives him evidence. He, he quotes the prophecy, and yep. I, that's evidence because you you see John's seen all this stuff happening, mm-hmm. and like, his disciples right in this time. Because yeah, look at what right. it says at, in verse twenty one: at that very time, Jesus cured many people of diseases and mm-hmm. afflictions and evil spirits, and he gave sight to many who were blind. So here's the scene: John sends his disciples, go make sure he's legit. They get there; they're watching Jesus heal blind people unstop the tongue of, of the mute, uh, you know, heal the deaf, all of these things. And then Jesus turns to them and he says, go, go tell John what you are seeing. Yeah. Right? That's, that's interesting. Go tell him what you have seen and what you have heard. And then he alludes to this Isaiah 35 passage. The blind are receiving sight. The lame are walking. The lepers are cleansed. Yeah, right? that's crazy. So, so you see he verifies with evidence based off of the prophecies. And that, that's just so cool. It is cool. Yeah. And, and you know what this, how we can apply this to our life, Tyler, mm. <clears throat> is that we can be comforted with fulfilled prophecy. Yeah. 
Jesus was telling John the Baptist, you can know I'm the Messiah because I'm doing the, th- the works that were prophesied that the Messiah would do. Well, and that's what we're trying to stress through this series, right? Mm-hmm. We talked about that the first episode on prophecy. It's when you look at other prophetic messages, you see nothing like what we have in Christianity because it's so clear and specific to what's going to happen, and it comes to pass, yeah. which is evidence that we should probably trust it. Yeah, it, I, I agree. Yeah, and, and that's the thing. We have evidence that all these uh, prophecies came to pass and evidence that they predated the prophetic event. So it's like seeing all of this coming together mm-hmm. is God's way of giving us evidence and saying, look, it's just like what Jesus is doing here with John, right? Yeah. He's, uh, John's coming to him. He's saying, are you legit? And then Jesus gives him reasons. That's what happened. And th- that's a, in the same way, we can take this and apply it to our lives by looking and saying, okay, Jesus fulfilled the prophecies from way before he was even around. Yes. That, no, he did. that predate him. Yeah, that verify who he is. Yep. Yeah, and so that that's just so cool, and I think that that gives us further reason to trust. I agree. Yeah. And um, now some people will say, well, listen, you know, the disciples made up these stories about a guy who's supposed to do the things that were prophesied about. But did he really... Right? Did mm-hmm. Jesus really do these things? Um, and again, we don't have uh, we don't have a hundred years to talk about the case for the miraculous on this on this episode. Yeah, right, right. right. <laughs> One of the things I do think is an interesting um, evidence to the fact that Jesus did do miracles mm-hmm. was in in Matthew twelve. You have that story where the Pharisees come to Jesus and they start telling people. Well, listen, he's doing his, his miracles by the power of Beelzebub, right? By Satan's powers. Yeah. And then Jesus does that whole uh, argument with them, and he says, look, that doesn't even make sense. Why would Satan fight himself? Right, yeah. Right? Like, that, that doesn't make sense. And so uh, if, if I'm not fighting myself, stand, yeah. where's my power coming from? It'd be somebody opposed to Satan, right? Like God? That's, right, that's yeah. <laughs> but but for, for our sake, here's the point I want to make. At the time of the disciples, there were people who opposed Jesus. We don't just know this from the New Testament documents. We know this from uh, Josephus. We know this from from history, right? Mm -hmm. We also know it from the fact that they crucified Jesus, and that is a fact of history that even the atheist New Testament scholars agree is true. Yeah. Um, So so with that, you had a group of Pharisees and Sadducees uh, who didn't like Jesus. And then in Matthew, they're saying he's doing miracles by the power of Beelzebub, right? Mm-hmm. What they're admitting by saying that is he's doing miracles. Yeah. The, they can't say he's not doing anything special. They have to make up where the power source is coming from because they're seeing him do special things. Does yeah. that make sense? Yeah, yeah. It's that's... an evidence to he was doing something. <laughs> yeah, it's evidence-based. That's the whole idea. <laughs> because you have his enemies admitting he was doing miracles. Yeah. <laughs> Does it make sense? Like, that's a great evidence. That's true. And so so when people say, oh, no, he wasn't doing it, this made up, well, you, you've got a few hurdles to jump over there in order to, to just claim that. That doesn't match up with the history. That doesn't match up with the text. That doesn't match up with other events we know that were going on at yeah, the time. Yeah, that's right. So he was doing something, and the something he was doing was prophesied about 700 years before he came. <laughs> yeah. 
this it's, has to be God. This has to be God's way of getting our attention to pay attention to what Jesus' message is, to listen yeah. up and to hear his message. So yeah, it's, it's, it's just, awesome. It's so clear. And then we, we see that too, um, just, uh, not, not even just through the miracles performing that he's a fulfillment of this, but through the crucifixion. Even. Yes, another work he was going to do. Right? Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, so the crucifixion is uh, – the events surrounding Jesus' crucifixion are – I don't want to say creepily because I believe it's supernatural. But it is eerie right. how specific God was with the details about Jesus' crucifixion in Psalm 22. Yeah, yeah, it is. Now, this is a Psalm of David, right, mm -hmm. the ancestor of Jesus. And he yes. writes about stuff in this psalm that didn't happen to him, right? So, so it's it's not about him because we know these things didn't happen to him. Yeah, so it's strange. He's, he's talking about this. something to come in the future. Mm -hmm. So we want to read a few passages. Um, and uh, there's some people who are familiar with Psalm 22, but if you're not, you need to go through and read the whole thing. And we're not gonna we're not gonna read the whole chapter on this episode, but we're gonna point out specific verses that prophesy about the crucifixion of Jesus. And this yes. is uh, ast astounding, very, very astounding. So um, let me read um, Psalm 22, verses 1 and 2. Verse 1, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Far from my deliverance are the words of my groaning. Oh my God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer, and by night, but I have no rest. Mm. Okay, Tyler, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Where have you heard that before? Jesus said it on the cross. Yeah, it's one of yeah. the seven things he says. Yeah, now, that's right. I have, now, again, I have seen a lot of uh, ink spilt, as they say, yeah. over how did God forsake Jesus, mm -hmm. right? And, and, and I've heard pastors say, this is, God turned his back on Jesus. Yeah. And there was a, a, t a tear in the Trinity, and, and this is when they were separated mm -hmm. and, and things like that. Um, and I don't think that's at all what Jesus was saying. Yeah, I don't think so either. Now, um, this might surprise some people, but in the Psalms and in um, the Old Testament and New Testament, um, the chapter and verse... Um, headings, right? The, the breaking up of chapter and right. verses isn't original to the <laughs> yeah, text, right? Yeah. That has been added later for <clears throat> reference, okay? Right. So if I just if I just ruined your day out there, I'm sorry, <laughs> but it needs to be yeah, said. Yeah. The verses and the chapters aren't inspired by God. They're just ways we've broken it up to, to know what we're talking about and refer other people to certain places yeah. in the Bible. So at the time of Jesus, the Psalms didn't have chapters and verses, Mm -hmm. But the Jewish people had a way of telling others which psalm they were talking about. And do you know the way they would do that, Tyler? No, what's that? They would quote the first line of the psalm. Mm, okay, there we go. That so makes they sense. would say, you know, um, um, okay, everyone today, let's, uh, we're going to talk about the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Right? Oh, there we go. Oh, that Psalm 23. But they didn't think 23. They just, oh, I know that psalm. Yeah. That yeah. was how they'd tell each other what, what's being said. So you start about. saying it, and it's like, oh, I can remember this. You That's say the right. first line. That's yeah. like the title of it, basically. Yeah, that makes sense. So now think about this. Jesus is on the cross, and he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Quoting mm. Psalm 22, verse 1. He is bringing everyone's attention there to the fact that he's fulfilling Psalm 22. So it's not necessarily that he's literally saying out 
shouting out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He's saying the quote of the scripture. I think so. Yeah. And I could be wrong about that, but well, right. I think so. I think what he's doing right. is he's bringing all the Jews who are in the area's attention to, I think that makes sense. I'm fulfilling that. Look at what's happened to me. Yeah, because he can't really speak that much being mm-hmm. up there. So uh, instead of rather quoting the whole passage, he could just say the title of it. Yeah. And 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 it would and instantly everyone would know what he was talking about, and then they'd and look they at would him, put it together, and be like, "Oh man, this is yeah. what David talked about in that psalm is happening right in front of our like, face." Like, imagine though being someone at the time who who maybe were skeptical at first, didn't believe him. Heck, maybe they were even a part of the people mocking him, and then they hear yeah. him say this. Yeah. Imagine how freaked out you'd be looking at that and then seeing, oh my it would, gosh. It would, it like would make you go, I'm seeing, yeah. And that's why, he, I think that's why he yeah. did it, to alert people to what he was saying. So let's um, yeah. <clears throat> let's go down a little bit uh, to verses, you want to read um, Psalm 22 verses 6 through 8? Sure, sure. It says, but I am a worm and not a man, a reproach of men and despised by the people. All who see me sneer at me. They separate with the lip. They wag the head saying, commit yourself to the Lord. Let him deliver him. Let him rescue him because he delights in him. Okay. Mm. So you remember when Jesus was hanging on the cross, people were mocking him. They were. Yeah. They were saying things like, why don't you call down some angels to save you? They did say that. Yeah. That's what this is saying would happen. Right? Let God... Let God rescue you. Yeah, commit yourself to the Lord. Let him save you. You can save others. Why not just save yourself? Mm -hmm. That's exactly what we see people were doing to Jesus. So again, fulfillment, right? And when Jesus says the first line of the psalm, people would have realized, oh man, that's exactly what's happening. Now going a little further into the psalm, this is where it gets like insane, This Mm. is where it gets really, really detailed. So Psalm 22, um, I'll read verse 14 through 18. It says, I am poured out like water, and all of my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It is melted within me. My strength is dried up like a potsherd, and my tongue cleaves to my jaw. And you lay me in the dust of death. For dogs have surrounded me. A band of evildoers has encompassed me. They pierced my hands and my feet. I can count all of my bones. They look, they stare at me. They divide my garments among them. And for my clothing, they cast lots. Mm. That is so specific. Right? Yeah. Let's talk about a few of these things, right? I'm being poured out like water. All my bones are out of joint. Yeah. Um, A lot of people don't know. Now, now think about this. He can't have his bones broken. Yeah. Because he's supposed to be the unblemished, right? Right, yeah. Lamb. However, when you were crucified and you were hung up, Mm -hmm. a lot of times what what they've said is that your shoulders were pulled out of socket, out of joint. And because you're, hanging, you're hanging by all your weight just yep. off of your shoulders. Yep, and that it would be too hard to hold that pose. Yeah, not only that, you got to think, too, he's dehydrated because he says right there, my uh, my tongue cleaves to my jaws. Well, yeah, David said this Yeah, a, a thousand years before Jesus was born. So he doesn't have born. the strength to do that. It's just like... Yeah, my tongue cleaves to my jaws. What What is another thing Jesus said from the cross? Yeah, he said, well, my heart is like wax melted within me. Yeah, and like he goes. Well, that's what David dead. said. But when Jesus was on the cross, oh, oh, yeah, he yeah, only yeah. said seven things. 
Yes. And one of the things she said was, I'm, I'm thirsty. thirsty. Right. That's <laughs> yeah. what you're referring to. Yes. And there it is, right? My tongue cleaves to my jaws. My yeah. strength is dried up, right? Mm-hmm. So we see that. Um, you lay me in the dust of death. And then he says, dogs have surrounded me. Yeah. Right? A band of evildoers. This is this is usually used to mean Gentiles. Mm-hmm. Were there, okay, He's in Jesus is outside the walls of Jerusalem, but he's in yeah. Israel. Were there Gentiles present at his crucifixion? Yeah. Who? Uh, well, there was a lot. I mean, there was uh, we we like it, like not just Gentiles, but like mm-hmm. uh, like everybody. Yeah, there were a lot of Jews there. Yeah, but this is being specific about for dogs have surrounded me, a band of evildoers encompasses me. Mm. Gentiles were often referred to as dogs, and yeah. Jesus is literally being crucified by Romans. Yeah, that's right. Gentiles, mm-hmm. right? And then people at the time, those were considered the evildoers too, especially yeah. by well, everybody. Well, and I think you could also yeah. say maybe that the Pharisees and stuff who had crucified yeah. were evildoers, right? Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> Interesting. Then it gets into, um, they have pierced my hands and my feet. Now, listen, there's a lot of dispute over the translation of this, and certain people say, no, it doesn't yeah. mean that. It means something else. And I think it means that. Um, I think it means that. And what's significant is crucifixion wasn't around at the time David wrote this. Mm. So he's he's definitely prophesying of a specific method of death. Yeah. That And, and this never happened to David. There That's wasn't true. a time yeah. where his hands and feet were pierced, right? That's true, yeah. So he's talking about something in the future to come. It then says, I can count all my bones. They stare at me. And then it says, they divide my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. You would think this is written during the first century, right? Like that's exactly what happened to Jesus. So I've done some digging on on the, the garment and the lot casting that happened in Jesus' life. And this is this is very interesting stuff that that, I, that I've discovered. Um, in the Gospels, it talks about how Jesus' clothes were divided up and they cast lots for his garment. Okay. Yeah. Um, a Jewish man during the first century would typically wear five different types of clothing. Mm. They'd wear shoes, you know, sandals, a turban, right. a girdle, a tunic, and an outer robe. So, um, with a crucifixion. Four soldiers were involved in crucifying a human being. And, and you think about how many it would take to actually accomplish the task. But we know four, four soldiers were the ones who would, who would execute uh, a person on the cross, all right? Yeah. So now think about this. Um, there's five articles of clothing. There's four soldiers. You split up who gets what, maybe based on seniority, or maybe you take turns and, you know, you, I got his belt last time, I get his tunic this yeah. time, you know, whatever, right? Um, but there's four things to split up. But then there's this undergarment, this tunic piece. Yeah, yeah. That during the first century, it was a really expensive piece of clothing that was worn closest to the skin. And it was expensive because it was, it was woven all in one piece, seamless, it was a real special article of clothing to Jews. And typically, mm. before men would go out and leave the home, their moms would spend hours and hours and hours making this garment and give it to them as like a going away gift. Mm, yeah. So we think this is what Mary had done with Jesus. She yeah. had given him this tunic that she'd made before he started his ministry when he was yes, 30 years yes, old. Yes, that's right? right. So when it comes to there's four guards, but there's five pieces of clothing, and then there's the real expensive one. Right. They'd cast lots for it. 
mm-hmm. right? Fascinating how the scripture says that they divided, you know, his 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 clothing among them, and then they cast lots for the tunic. Yeah, because Psalm twenty two eighteen. Look at how specific this is, man. They divided my outer garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. Yeah. That is so specific. Yeah, yeah that's They divided crazy the outer stuff, that. and then for this inner clothing, they cast lots. How did David know this? That's where you're talking earlier that, about those eerie details. This is yes, one of them. <laughs> it's it's like, yeah. so specific as to what would happen and transpire at the crucifixion of Jesus. It's supernatural, and it's yes. very... Yeah. This is all going on, and he hangs up there, and he says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And being a person there, you would go, oh, my Lord, what is happening? <laughs> they divided his garments, right? Yeah. He's been pierced, dogs surrounding him. He's thirsty. He's, you would start to see and be putting it all together. Well, it was public, too, even when they, when they um, went to—he said, I'm thirsty, too. But then, like, even before that, you see, like, all, all these things lining up perfectly, yeah. like, like, perfectly <clears throat> with this— Prophecy well, leading his up to blood was being poured out all over town. That's what I'm saying. He and was then scourged. And I then was poured he, out with like water. Yeah. And then seeing also seeing that he it says um, that his bones he that he can count his bones. And then when he was mm-hmm. scourged, and then looking at the way that they they uh, scourge people yeah. back in um, uh, uh, during with Roman Roman crucifixions, and you could it basically like uh, there were times where sometimes flesh would be ripped. Oh, from yeah. the body, and then you can visibly see bones. Yeah, the Eusebius, the church historian, he saw yeah. the crucifixion, and he says that um, I want to get this quote. I'm trying to remember. He basically said that um, the, the the back of the person was laid so bare through the shredding process of the the bones in the whips and the contusions that were produced by the metal balls that um, you could often see a person's bowels, so mm. their intestines. And their veins dangling. Mm, yeah. Ugh. So yeah, it would shred down to the bone, dude. You could see bone. Yeah, and that's that's crazy because it's a fulfillment of that prophecy. It's like yep. further, <clears throat> further further proof. Uh, yeah, further proof. Now it gets a little more uh, eerie, I guess, when you get to the end of Psalm twenty-two. Um, Psalm twenty-two thirty-one says, "They will come and will declare his righteousness to a people who will be born." That he has performed it. Um, what's the big deal with this, right? Mm. Well, this idea he has performed it in in the um, in the Hebrew, that is all one word. He has mm. performed it. It means he he did it. Yeah. Jesus' last word on the cross is tetelestai. Yeah, I, I finished it. Tetelestai. I finished it. That's what again, it means. Again, it is one, finished. One word meaning... One word meaning I accomplished it or I performed it or I did it. <laughs> <laughs> so a lot yeah, of commentators, yeah. a lot of Bible scholars are saying that Jesus said the first line of Psalm 22. And he said the last. And he said the last word of Psalm 22 from the cross. Now, I've, I've also read that some people, obviously, everything Jesus ever did and said, we don't have written in the Gospels. Right, yeah. Um, he did a ton more than that because, I mean, you could probably read the Gospels in what, like five hours? He did more oh, than yeah. five hours worth of work in oh, his of life. Of course, he said yeah. said more than five hours worth of stuff. Right. Um, but 
a lot of people say and, and speculate that it's possible that he quoted all of Psalm 22 while hanging on the cross. Mm. Could you imagine Jesus saying, they've pierced my I mean, hands I mean, it is feet. possible. They could have, it, it is possible because they could have just wrote those in. The two parts that he stated. Yeah, the two parts that he stated, just yep. saying like, or just put those two parts in saying like, as the writer saying, uh, saying like, okay, just so you know, this is what he was talking about. Yeah, it's kind but of he an inclusio it. to, to right. everything he was saying. Right, yep. so that's that's very possible. It is that, that it occurred, and if if he did quote the entire psalm, that's just that's insane. But he, yes, and I think yeah. I think that not only so this is where it gets interesting. So when we said Jesus did miracles that were prophesied about, Jesus yeah. knew he was doing those miracles, and he told people, "Look, that's me." The same thing with Psalm 22. As he's on the cross doing what it was talking about, he's saying, hi, <laughs> yeah. that's me. Especially right? by saying to Telestai, right? Yeah. And saying, Sorry. my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He's pointing out to yeah. people that he's the guy who was prophesied about. Yeah. And then Fascinating. there's just so much, um, there's so much beauty and poeticness and in, in the fact that his last words on the cross were to Telestai. Yeah. It is finished, right? Because yeah. you have to ask, what is finished? Yeah. Well, sin was paid for, right? Yeah. Um, he, he took on our punishment, all of right. those things. He died in place of us, Paul Yeah, and then says. with that, it's also a fulfillment of the prophecy, too. But by saying, I fulfilled it, I accomplished it, I yeah. did it. Yeah. And it's just, it's so beautiful looking at it that from, from, that, from that lens. And it's like, you see that there's more depth to this, just, just by the prophecy. And that's the other thing to think about. Jesus could have, God could have set it up to where Jesus came and mm-hmm. performed all of this just as he, he did historically without the prophecy. And he, we still, still could have been saved, you know, like still could have been um, brought, like the same effect could have taken place. But he yeah. chose to use prophetic messages to tell of the coming of the Messiah to prepare us for that. And then also you look at the depth and the beauty that is created from his history mm-hmm. meeting with reality into what actually occurred with, through the pro- fulfillment of the prophecy. Yeah. We have, we have a God who wanted us to be able to recognize his messenger yeah, yeah. through the prophecies. So and it's he's something us ahead. to, yeah. to, it's something to ex- examine, and something it's beautiful, to study. Like you said, it's yeah. poetic. Think about the, the, the po- poetry in a descendant of David is hanging on a cross, fulfilling the message that David wrote. That's poetic in and of itself, right? Yeah. In addition yeah. to that, you have um, the coming Messiah who's supposed to be the king who reigns in Jerusalem forever is mm-hmm. hanging on a cross, fulfilling the prophecy of a former king while there's a sign above his head saying, King of the Jews. Yeah. It yeah. just, it, it's, there's it's so much. It's mind blowing. It. And that's what <laughs> I mean. Is. See, like, we wouldn't have this if it wasn't for prophecy. That's the thing. Uh, like, like, like I said again, like, without there being prophetic messages, like, Christ could have still came and accomplished what he did. Mm-hmm. But the point is, the, the prophecy just makes it so much more in depth and beautiful because there's, there, there's there's just so much going on, mm-hmm. and it, it really points to him, and it says, hey, I am God, right? Like, yeah. it's just so cool, and it's God proving himself. Yeah, a God who can do the miraculous is great. Yes. But a God who predicts how he's going to do the miraculous is greater. 
Yeah. <laughs> right? I mean, and that's what we have. Here. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. exactly what we've got. It is amazing. So mm-hmm. we've got the Messiah and the works, miracles he was prophesied to do done in Jesus. Mm-hmm. We've also got the crucifixion, the death, the facts, the factors surrounding it with the divided garments, the tetelestai, all of that being fulfilled in Jesus. But we also see this work that Jesus did where he begins to be a mm-hmm. prophet. He prophesied yes, about right. a huge event in the world happening that, that we actually still have tremendous evidence of uh, today. Right, that's right. So it, how, how mm-hmm. did Jesus himself prophesy, Tyler? Yes, Jesus talked about a coming event in the future after his death where the temple would be destroyed. Yep, let's look at this passage in Mark 13, mm-hmm. 1 through 2. You want to read that? Yes, it says... As he was going out of the temple, one of his disciples said to him, Teacher, behold, what wonderful stones and what wonderful buildings. And Jesus said to him, Do you see these great buildings? Not one stone will be left upon another which will not be torn down. Not one stone will be left upon another which will not be torn down. Very specific. It is. It is very specific. (laughs) This temple you see here is going to get wrecked. Yeah. (laughs) Right? Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Now, is this an empty threat? Is this an empty promise? I don't even think Jesus is threatening, right? Because this is one of his disciples. No. And there's nothing wrong with admiring architecture. I don't yeah, think, yeah. right? Like, no, I don't the think... the second temple that was built was a really great thing yes. for Israel. Yes, yes. And I don't think it's in any way him condemning him or saying like... No. I think, I think what's going on here is Jesus is saying like, look... Yeah, you're right. You're right. This this is beautiful. This is great. Like there, this is a really great structure. But what's even greater and great might surprise you is not one stone will be left upon another. Mm-hmm. That's that's what Jesus is saying here. He's yep. he's saying yes, it's great, but it's going to be gone. And now what's yeah. interesting about so this is in Mark 13, right? Mm-hmm. Mark is most probably the first gospel written. Yeah, and right. it for sure was written before seventy A.D. Yes, probably in some people say forties or fifties. Mm-hmm. So the so think about this: the prophecy that Jesus said is earlier than seventy A.D. because right. he had to say it before his death and resurrection. Of course, yeah. But the book of Mark is earlier than yeah. seventy. So you AD. can't even make the argument that that the prophecy was fulfilled later, but Mark fabricated it and made it up no. and put it in there. Or yeah, yeah or tried to try to rewrite history to fit. Facts to fit, yeah, but he because didn't do Christianity that. Christianity already mm-hmm. spread to the Roman Empire. He, he just wrote what he heard. Yeah, That's what he happened. He wrote what Jesus said. Yeah. Yep. So Jesus says, not one stone will be left on another. He made this prediction before his death between 30 and 33 AD. Mark's written probably between 40 and 55 to yeah. 60 AD prior to 70 AD. In 70 AD, the Romans came down to Jerusalem and completely destroyed the city, Mm. completely destroyed the city. And one of the things that they did was they went up on the Temple Mount and they they took the temple apart. They ransacked it and Mm. they took all the precious stones and the beauty of it and stole it, right? Yeah. Looted it. But they threw every single stone Mm. off. They didn't just dismantle it. They chucked it off of the Temple Mount. And this is the crazy part to me. You can go to Israel to this day and sit on those temple stones that the Romans dismantled and threw off the mount and broke the walkway below. You can go climb 
on those dismantled stones and those those you know I think they're yeah. granite cubes or whatever they are. I can't remember what material they are, but they were thrown off and the force broke the the road that was yeah, below. Yeah, that's right. And you can go see those to this day. For two thousand years, <laughs> these stones have been sitting there as a testament to Jesus prophesying about a coming cataclysmic event. Wait, wait, how cool is it happened? that? It's not, just, it's not just evidence that we have in writing. It's something that still exists to this day. Yeah. And that, that is there. It's, it's almost like, like a miracle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's the thing. It's, it's crazy. It's because you can go there and visit today yep. and f- physically touch these Tangible stones. evidence. Now, yeah. think about this. What if you went to Israel today and there, that second temple was still there? Jesus is yeah. wrong. He was, <laughs> right? yeah. And then not only that, too, um, he would fail the prophet test, right? Because he that's would. the thing. Yeah. But we have verifiable evidence that we can go touch with our hands today of these stones being chucked off the Temple Mount, just as Jesus predicted. Yeah. He was there. a prophet. One of the works he did was prophesy about future events. Yes, and he got it right. And he got it right. <laughs> one, of, one of the things he did was he was crucified, rose again, as prophesied about by David in Psalm 22. Yep. And he healed blind people. He healed deaf people. He healed mute people. He healed lepers. He healed lame people, mm-hmm. just as Isaiah prophesied about. So we have works of the Messiah prophesied about hundreds and even in David's case, a thousand years prior to Jesus yeah. coming, that he fulfilled. Yeah, that's amazing. It's so cool. God's trying to get our attention with this. He's trying to get people to listen up and, and say, hey, you need to pay attention to this Jesus guy because he is the focal point of all these prophecies. He's the fulfillment of all these things that I foretold. Yes. And, and I did it because I want you to listen to what he has to say. Yeah, I want you to hear right. his message of salvation and that you can believe in him because he died in your place. It's a phenomenal plan. Mm-hmm. How would God, like we said in the first series of this, how would you go about getting people's attention if you were God? This is a great way to do it. It's it's a fantastic way to do it because he, in, like 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 we said earlier, this is a com- like a combination of history with actual events, like taking time in advance to explain what's going to happen and then doing it. Yep. Right. And and that, that's what how God is showing that we can trust Him. Yep. And there's verifiable evidence to this day, even through with Jesus, that we can go and touch the stones that He predicted would be fallen off the Temple Mount and destroyed. Yep. And so yep. it, it's just so cool. God's screaming yeah. at us to listen up. Yes. He's showing us through so many different ways that He's true, and He's real. And that he he cares about us enough to communicate with us. Yeah. It's, it's such an amazing thing. I mean, the whole Christmas season is about God coming here to communicate with us. Yeah. God coming here to take on our punishment. God coming here, not considering who he is, but humbling himself to become like us. This is a great God. This is the only true God. He is the one to worship. And Jesus is someone we've got to listen to because God is showing us through all of these ways, prophecies, miracles, that Jesus is the word. He's Mm -hmm. the message. He's the one. And that's where Jesus says things like, you know, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father, right? Yeah. The fullness of deity dwells in Jesus, like we talked about on the Trinity um, series. He, He is God in flesh to communicate with us not just through words he says, but through the actions he does, how much he loves us and how much he cares about us. Yeah. yeah. This and is an amazing, amazing God. 
Yeah, no kidding. And it's just it's just so crazy too to just see the the miracles that were performed throughout Jesus's lifetime in history and then seeing just how it all ties in with prophecy and just seeing the bigger story of the gospel coming together mm-hmm. after it was prophesied centuries ago. And so it's just super cool seeing all this come together and studying it. Uh, it really um, kind of just puts it into perspective of yeah. what Jesus accomplished. It does. It really does. So we hope this encourages you. We hope this equips you. We hope this like spurs you on to go out and to tell other people about the evidence that yeah, we have. Yeah, talk about the prophecy yes. with your friends and neighbors. Like, Let them know what happened. Listen, you can go buy a venti caramel brulee latte and split <laughs> it with your friend and talk about these things. Tell other Christians about this. This is so encouraging to yeah. us. It, it does give us more confidence in, in who we believe in, and it does equip us to go reach people who don't believe in God with mm-hmm. the, the evidence that he has reached us with. That's what we've got to be doing. That's what this podcast is about. And that's our prayer for you. We hope that you go out and and you will use this information to lead people to reality, to lead people into the truth. That's that's Mm -hmm. the goal. So, hey, thank you for being with us today on Christ's Culture and Coffee. Tyler, another year done. 2019, over. That's so great. Yeah, it's 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 finally done. Like everything's finally. finally. Yeah. I'm just kidding. It's 2020 almost. almost. And, I, and I feel like I'm still that kid waiting for 1999 <laughs> because of that Prince song. We're going to oh, party yeah. like in party my head. Like it's 1999. Like, oh, that's going to be a fun party. And I'm like, wait, it was 20 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. We're, we're about so to funny. get back into the 20s now. We are. Like, yeah, the roaring 20s. Here yeah. we go. <laughs> I, hope you, I hope you saved your, your flapper attire and your jazz trumpet because the roaring 20s it's, are it's coming back in style. Oh, it's going to be great. Yeah. So, Although well, hey, in 10 years, we're going to go through another depression. So, Yeah, <laughs> uh, so not. Well, hey, as we look back on 2019 and see all the amazing things Scott has done um, with the podcast and just in yeah. our individual lives, man, I'm so thankful for you and I'm thankful for God's work oh, and, and God allowing us to be part of this ministry. So we thank you too as our listeners. Like this mm, would yes. not exist without you <laughs> at all. We do this to help other believers know who, who the Lord is and the evidence he's left us and equip and, and give confidence and all of those things. But we're just grateful um, as we wrap up this year yeah. for you, our listeners. So thank you so much for making this possible and for um, just giving us a, a, a new avenue for ministry. This yeah, is kind of yeah. new in the history of the world to have broadcast. It's true. It's true. Like yeah, because the thing is, we, we couldn't keep doing this if people weren't listening. No. Like, yeah, we, we get, we, we have a lot of listeners now on a yeah. weekly basis and it, it continues to grow every month we get more and more and so yeah. uh, just thank you so much for making this possible and um this enables us to continue to equip christians to be able to defend their faith and to be confident in their faith and mm-hmm. to um spread the truth through apologetics yeah. and it's just super exciting that we're able to um live in a time where we're able to uh, use technology uh for the lord and um turn it into a ministry through this podcast so uh thank you so much again for making this possible and then also merry christmas as yes. well even though we're a day merry christmas past. have a great new year we yes. hope you stick with your resolutions this time around all of those <laughs> things but we're looking forward to what god does in the year 2020 and we will be back next year mm-hmm. uh, next week yeah right (laughs) with our with our next podcast uh, just talking about a a lot of cool stuff and 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 actually things of what we have in store too for this next coming year so thank you enjoy your family show gratitude to the lord this time of year and don't forget 
about all he's done for us because he's a great God who wants to redeem us from the problems we've created. Thanks for being with us today on Christ, Culture, and Coffee, and we will catch you next year with our next podcast. Thanks for listening to Christ, Culture, and Coffee. If you liked this episode, please rate, review, and subscribe to help us reach more people.